Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Alright, so I'm Chuck from the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, and... <laughs> try this again. I actually just tried to start this and ended up kind of being a disaster. It was hard to keep all my notes straight and everything else. But basically, I want to talk about gun control. I want to talk about the Second Amendment. And I started doing a lot of research and, you know, seeing what other people had to say and different things on there. And it basically ended up being uh, a little a little all over the place. Everybody's kind of got a different opinion and a different way that they see the world. And we all can't agree. And we have to kind of, you know, basically get along to get along, right? That That's how it works. We need to find a way to live in a society with, with each other. We need to, you know, find a way to just be happy. And, and that's it. We're all trying to find our piece of the pie. So, Anyway, let's kind of get down to it. So basically, it comes down to, you know, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the rights that we all have as individuals, and the right to life and the, the right to everything. Um, I saw some kind of comedian had these stupid jackass comments, basically was like, well, you know, I'm not just a comedian. I have a fancy New York college degree. I have basically... I have, you know, ideas and, and, you know, I know things, I do research and, you know, I don't have the money to put together a big presentation, have it edited by people, have people do research for me. Um, I do okay for myself, but I don't have a fancy college degree. I do have a ton of college classes. I spent a fair amount of time because in the technical field that I work in, they require, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. But bottom line what I know about guns is because I own guns. 
I have concealed carries in multiple states. I have tax stamps. I've been through the process. I know what the restrictions of the gun laws are. And, you know, people are naive and make comments when they've never done it before. You know, I've shot an AR-15, right? Turns out I own one, maybe two, maybe three. I don't really know. It's it's hard to count. Um, but it comes down to, you know, comes down to it's a right. Now, let's talk about it. So what does the Second Amendment even say, right? A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, we live in a representative or constitutional republic. The idea is a democracy, but limited by a constitution. Now, Obviously, the Constitution allows for change. It allows for amendments. It allows to be modified and that kind of thing. Um, basically, two-third majority vote in both houses. Then it has to be ratified by three-quarters of the governments of the states. And that's the thing. The states, we don't all agree on everything. You know, it kind of comes down to that where... As a country, we're not completely united. We have a lot of different opinions. And, you know, it's weird because I've always been a big believer in, in the Tenth Amendment, which says that the powers not given to the federal government are allowed to the states. And the states should be able to kind of do what they want. And, you know, if you'd asked me, as an individual, I would say, that the states, if it's not specifically outlined in the the Constitution, can kind of come up with their own laws and do their own thing. However, the Second Amendment, turns out, does protect guns. Now, people can make an argument of, well, do they, you know, does it really or is it just for a militia? Well, we can talk about that. So it was basically came down to the Heller decision. Um and Antonin Scalia ended up, you know, ruling on that. He was the uh, the deciding vote there, and you know, he had the, he wrote the majority. So here, uh, here is what we got on that. So let me see here if I'm got you covered. All right. So this is what he's got on that. So Antonin Scalia, five four majority. Basically, the right of the people means the individual right as it is used everywhere in the Constitution. Um, arms applies to weapons. Now, here I kind of disagree with them, but we're going to get to that later. Arms applies to weapons that were not specifically designed for military use and were not employed in a military capacity. Hence, non-military weapons are protected. All right. We can talk about that. I don't see anything that implies that. You know, I don't know where he gets that definition of arms, but I'll accept it as fact. However, I do know that in a most recent ruling, they did decide that um, arms is considered the most common weapons. And seeing as that the AR-15 is the most common weapon in the United States, then therefore it is protected as the most recent ruling and Okay, and I will say the AR-15 is not in military use. It's never been in military use. I don't know that because the military uses it, excludes it from the other. I mean, that's like saying the military uses pens, so therefore, 
you know, all pens, you know, are, are really military use. And that's just kind of stupid, right? But I mean, because shotguns, shotguns are used in the military, whereas AR-15s are not. So it's kind of one of those things that, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt and look at it. But bottom line, AR-15s, they are, uh, you know, the most common weapon and definitely, according to the Supreme Court, you know, something that is protected. Everyone always wants to go back to the Supreme Court unless, you know, conservatives are in charge of the Supreme Court. It's always one of those things. Right. Um, so there's it, there, there's a bunch of amendments that just really kind of hit home. I mean, I guess it probably makes sense. We can go through them. Um, I, I just yeah, Let, let's let's do that. Let's go through the amendments a little bit. Um, I'm going to bring them back up for you. And here we go. And here we go. So Second Amendment. Next is um, the Ninth Amendment. Ninth is, I mean, next relevant one to my argument here. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And the idea is we have certain rights that are just obvious. So just because it's not outlined in the Constitution does not mean that you don't have that right. You know, they, they can't take away air, right? They can't take away water. There's certain things that you have the right to life, right? We'll go back to that. Um, the 10th Amendment, the power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited to it to the states or reserved to the states respectively. I, I feel like it kind of comes down to that, where the states do have rights, but Constitution does give us the Second Amendment. Um, all right, let's uh, head back here now. So, back to just trying to fit everything on the screen here. Um, now, people say, well, you know, Chuck, the Constitution doesn't matter. Um, nobody even cares or, or listens to it anymore. Nobody even thinks that it's relevant. Well, you know what? To be honest, that's kind of true. People don't care about the Constitution. Certain um, certain examples come to mind. Uh, the Patriot Act, uh, the Fed requiring health care coverage. Um, you know, maybe you listen, go back and search out the Davy Crockett, not yours to give speech, right? I mean, they're it really, we've talked about legal foundation and, and the moral foundation, but, you know, it's just the bottom line. The federal government doesn't have the authority to rule your life. Um, I made a, a statement a little recent, a little while ago and, and got a lot of blowback from people about it where, you know, if you don't have the right to exist, then you don't have any rights. And what I mean by that is you need to be able to protect yourself. You need to be able to protect your life. And that's where firearms come in. Um, cause if think of it, like if you have a speed limit in a set area and you know, it's 55 miles an hour and tomorrow the government wants to change it to 35. You don't really have any recourse. Obviously we can vote, but they kind of do what they want, right? We don't really have recourse. So I understand when people say, well, you know, nobody even cares about the constitution and it doesn't really matter. Well, that's why you need a little bit of teeth. Now, the next argument that I kind of get from people 
is, well, you know, we could never stand up to the government. They have, you know, F-15s, right? Isn't that what Biden always likes to tell us? Well, that's kind of kind of a ridiculous argument because I have to point out Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, did they not back down the federal government with just guns? Um, I mean, that's 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 how it works, you know? They don't, it, it's pretty easy to, I, I don't mean easy. I don't think anybody could just take on the uh, U.S. military. I think it's pretty impressive. I, I, what I'm just going to say is it's pretty easy to understand that if it's something you believe in and it's worth having, you know, it was impossible for the people in the United States to stand up to the British conf- government that owned, what was it, like the majority of the free world? And yet they overtook them because it was something they believed in. It was something worth having. So we'll kind of go back to that. Let's let's talk about gun control and, and how we should limit it. You know, Chuck, we just need reasonable gun control. If we had some reasonable basics, then everything would be good. Now, I'm not for absolutes. Like, there are certain things that kind of make sense. You know, it'd be cool if people were responsible. I understand taking away, you know, felons' rights to own arms. I feel like you give up a lot of rights as a citizen, like they take away the right to vote and different things. I know that's not necessarily the case anymore. We kind of flip-flop on that thing, and it varies by state, different opinions. Um, But the bottom line is there are some limitations. Um, But I I think to make arguments like, well, you know, you can't yell fire in a movie theater, so therefore the First Amendment has limitations, so obviously the second. Well, one has nothing to do with the other. Um, And, I mean, just being stupid is, is kind of a thing that, you know, there's always consequences to your actions. I guess that's what it comes down to. All right, so gun control. First off, being a libertarian, the libertarian in me is never a fan of giving anyone else control. So I got to say, I am a little pig-headed, biased on that one. It honestly never ends well for the person not in control. It gives the, the words gun control give the voter the idea that guns can be controlled. You know, like we did with heroin. You know how we just outlawed that, so, you know, it's not a problem anymore. Um, Now, I know people are like, oh, well, that's a dismissive argument and whatever. All right, well, it goes further to suggest that if we don't regulate guns, they will be out of control. Um, Well, that does sound terrifying to me, just guns randomly going around shooting people. I don't know how that happens, but, you know, whatever. But... This is what gun control usually looks like. Let, let's. I, I, I used to live in New York, and I can tell you, New York's got some serious gun control. Californians, you can relate to me. Um, you get that. Now, I, I chose to move out of New York because, turns out, I didn't like their gun control laws. I didn't like their taxes. I didn't like a lot of things about New York. Um, but this is the kind of thing it does. So... They made it difficult or inconvenient to, that you would even carry it. Um, the idea would be they would limit a lot of places that you could carry it into. I know the most recent thing um, is some businesses will have a no-gun sign out front and you're not allowed to carry it in. New York actually is proposing, or maybe they already did at this point, they wanted to um, 
make it so that if it didn't say you can carry your gun here, then you would not be allowed. So that makes it inconvenient. What are you going to do? Leave it in your car? You have to, you know, pull it all out. And, you know, a lot of people in New York, you have to have it very concealed and hidden on your person. They're really worried. You know, anybody even sees it. Oh, you're brandishing a firearm and threatening people because you leaned over and somebody saw it poke out of your shirt. Well, that's just ridiculous. But that's how they do it. They make it over the top. You know, they, they kind of push it so hard. Um, New York required a, a, or now requires a full day class for a concealed carry. Actually, the state I'm in now, they required a full day class for concealed carry. You have to get your fingerprints. In New York, it had to be a, signed off by a judge. Um, other states, you know, they have different. Most states, if they have a concealed carry permit requirement, they usually have a uh, background check by the FBI. Now, mind you, everybody who buys a gun is required to have a background check. Now, people will say, well, there's that private seller loophole. We'll kind of circle back to that in a minute because there is some truth to that. We can talk about that. Um, basically, uh, they make it embarrassing and humiliating. I know, so there's like a psychological cost to it. I know in New York, I had to go and get all my buddies to uh, go get a notarized letter saying that I'm a good person and they think it would be reasonable for me to have a concealed carry. Um, and I mean, it was crazy. Some of the, the, one of my buddies went to a bank and the bank teller was like, oh, well, I don't approve of guns and I would never notarize this. You have to come back another time and try. And they just made it difficult. You know, it just... It's above and beyond with nonsense. I understand having a background check. I understand, hey, do we even know who this guy is before we allow him to have handguns? That's fair. That's completely reasonable. But it's a little bit different when, you know, you go over the top. I also, if it's, you know, technology is so advanced in this world that, you know, as long as somebody comes up in the system, it should be an immediate approval and, and process, assuming all their information is correct. You know, it does, if the government wants to limit it, I feel like it does fall on the government to come up with a process that's actually going to, you know, be effective. And, you know, if they want to put other, you know, things into their background check, that's something they need to do. Now, can we deny people rights when they're rights? I, I think that's limiting. But again, there are certain things. Hey, look, you have severe mental problems and therefore, you know, we need to limit, you know, what you can do. So that's, you know, another option. Um, let's say uh, another one, uh, micro stamping, right? Uh, requiring tax stamps. Uh, New York doesn't even like allow you to do anything that requires a tax stamp, so it was kind of irrelevant. Um, what a tax stamp is, is maybe you want a suppressor because you want to shoot your gun and not annoy the hell out of your neighbors nonstop, right? Maybe you don't want to go deaf. Um, maybe you carry a gun. You're not really doing a concealed carry with a suppressor so that doesn't kind of fit but I know that when I grab a gun and and uh, go out back because something's attacking my farm animals I grab a gun with a suppressor 
I don't have to think about hearing protection. I don't have to think about the nonsense that might get in my way. That's just common sense. There's no reason. Guns with a suppressor are not silent like the movies, you know, the fantasy where people are like, ooh, I just snuck in and shot him and nobody heard a thing. That, that's just ridiculous. Um, typically, I know my suppressors, it takes it down. If I'm not using subsonic ammo, it usually makes an AR-15 sound like a 22. Would I want to shoot that all day without hearing protection? No, probably not. But would I be completely fine taking two or three shots without hearing protection? Like maybe if I was out hunting? Yeah, no, no problem. And it turns out when you're out hunting, being able to hear nature, that's a thing. Um, it's something that, you know, makes sense that you want to be able to, you know, know what's going on around you when you're out there. So I would say they're, they're very reasonable. Another thing, it's funny, you think of the length of an AR-15. Now, a barrel is typically 16 inches, is what's allowed by law without a uh, without it becoming a pistol or without a, um, a tax stamp making it an SBR, which is a short-barreled rifle, which you need special permission and special background checks. Now, these special background checks to get a tax stamp were taking like six months to get one which is kind of ridiculous, and it costs $200. Again, kind of ridiculous. But, you know, oh, well, if you want this privilege, and it's not a privilege, but if you want this, you need to make certain exceptions. So I'm willing to play the game because, to be honest, there's a lot of things that the government charges me for that I think is bullshit. Registering my cars, licensing fees are way beyond, you know, the register, all of it. It just, it gets over the top, but whatever. I've accepted that as part of life. You know, you still have to work within the world that you live, right? You can't just have a fantasy where you do whatever you want and then, you know, expect everyone else just to comply and, and come along. So with that said, I would say that, you know, a tax stamp, don't like it, but whatever. And now the reason I would want an SBR, a short barrel rifle, would be because I know in my case, a 16-inch barrel is actually a reasonable length to me. But having a 10.5-inch barrel with a 6-inch suppressor on it, that works out a whole lot better. Now, I still have a normal-length rifle, but I can keep the noise down and make it just effective and ready for day-to-day. They have these stupid pistol braces that the ATF every other day is, oh, we're going to come after those. They're illegal or no, they're not. They can't decide on any definitions. They make the laws so vague that nobody knows what the hell is going on. You, People outright call the ATF and say, look, hey, can you help me out with this? Is it, you know... Is this something I can do? You know, I, I want to put, you know, I, I want to make the gun this length and have this configuration. I bought this brand pistol brace. They're like, well, yeah, that would be legal, except we could interpret it this way. And it's like, well, we're asking you, how do you interpret it? Well, you know, it's up to our discretion. And if we want to screw you over, that that's the bottom line in the way it ends up going. So it's kind of kind of unreasonable. Now, another thing people talk about is, well, what about the numbers, Chuck? Oh, so 
Well, let me wrap up first with gun control laws. Bottom line, right now, it is difficult to buy a firearm. I can completely understand why somebody would say, look, you know, I don't like that you can do the private seller thing. And I get that. And that's that's reasonable. Um, but the idea is, when you sell me a gun, now you're only selling guns to people who've never been committed a crime, right? That's the idea. Now, obviously, you know, people are like, well, if you've jaywalked, you've committed a crime. So yeah, oh, okay. You know, I, I get that. But we only sell guns to people who are upstanding citizens. So to imply that, you know, there are these straw purchases is so prevalent, I kind of want to throw the bullshit flag on that. One, we were allowed to build 80% lowers without any background check for forever. So, I mean, at this point, there are so many homemade AR-15s that you kind of miss the window on that one. Um, if you're trying to, you know, prevent, and you can make 80% handguns, turns out you can actually make those into guns. Um, now they are starting to crack down on that. The ATF is coming up with weird definitions that don't make any sense. And again, it's, it's that same thing where people are actually scared to sell things. They don't even like, ah, you know, the wording, it's uncomfortable. The ATF may come after me. I don't want to break laws. I don't want to, it, it, it's just so vague. Um, it was that, you know, if you could legally own a firearm, you could build one. If you were a criminal and you, you could not build one, you could still buy the 80% lower because it's not a gun. You build the gun. When you build the gun, it then would become a crime if you were somebody who is not eligible to own a gun. So that was kind of a, yeah, you know, I, I get where they're coming from on that. It, you're opening the door, right? And I hate to give them an inch. You, you know on the podcast that that's not something that we're exactly down for. But that's how, you know, it goes sometimes. Now, another thing would be that you, uh, sorry, I get distracted. I don't know. There's cars, people, dogs, you know, you get the idea. But bottom line is selling guns privately, having that, the big fear is, and the reason people were so adamant about the, the, um, the right to have individual firearms that you could make, that you could sell privately, basically that you could get without being on a list. And the idea is you could get rid of them without it being on that list. You know, people are always like, oh, well, I lost my guns in a boating accident, right? The idea is, and that way, if the government ever came to take them, they would, therefore, you you aren't necessarily accountable for it. And, and I know, I understand, you, you want people to be accountable. I get that. That's a real thing. But the problem is freedom comes first. And we have certain rights as a human being, right? That kind of goes back to, well, it's my God-given right, right? Now, that sounds like a ridiculous, you know, yeah, who are, you know, it's mine. And, you know, that Charlton Heston, right? You know, where, you know, come and take it from my cold, dead hands. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. So 
do you have the right to exist? It sounds simple. The first words of the Declaration, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You have the right to life, right? And I know guns make me happy, so I can only assume that Jefferson was talking about guns when he wrote, you know, The Pursuit of Happiness. I mean, that's pretty much, can I build my gun collection? Is what I heard. Um, and if we don't have a right to life, we have no rights. Therefore, we have a right to self-defense, all right? That's kind of where people are going with the, uh, the God-given rights. Now, the declar while the declaration is fresh in your mind, I would point out that, you know, remember I said it's the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny, disparage others retained by the people. Well, he just said you have the right to life, right? All right. So that, that's kind of where I'm going with that. Um, so but it's not even just an American idea. It goes back to the Bible. Um, maybe it started like way back in Exodus, so like the beginning of the Bible. Moses wrote, if someone is caught, wait, if you're caught breaking in at night and struck a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. Because the idea is, you have the right. I mean, that's basically the castle doctrine from the beginning of time. That's where you get that God-given right. Um, castle doctrine, I mean, it just makes sense. It's common sense unless you're a scared little bitch, right? Um, Romans, right? They're founding part of society. Now, again, we don't go back to these governments and say, oh, these guys were brilliant, everything they did. No, they did a lot of messed up stuff. There's messed up stuff in the Bible. Well, you know, that's another time. But Romans, if there be an occasion on which it is proper to slay a man, and there are many such, surely that occasion is not only a just one, but even a necessary one. When violence is offered and can only be repelled, repelled by violence. That was Cicero. Um, John Locke tells us we have a duty to preserve oneself, a duty to preserve others when self-preservation does not conflict it, and we have a right to preserve life, liberty, and estate. John Locke, Founding Father, right? I know a lot of us these days think that Founding Fathers are evil, and I understand. But he tells us we have a duty not to take away the life of another unjustly. So I guess that, that's what saves us from the Wild West. People always, they always say, oh, well, it'll just go to mayhem. Well, I mean, I hate to say it, you know, that... Um, I, I believe it was Thomas, uh, or no, Ben Franklin. Those who would trade liberty for freedom deserve neither. And that's what you end up. Everything comes at a compromise. You know, it all comes at a cost. We can't just give up our rights because we're scared. Um, as an American, as a man, a human being, you have an obligation to protect your family and those you care about. I know society... Any society that tells you different, they're, they're corrupt. Um, it's corrupt to say that you can't protect yourself, you can't defend yourself. It doesn't even make any sense. Um, another argument I hear is, well, yeah, but if we had a gun registration and everything was listed, then we'd all be safer and whatever. Well, I can take you back to that one. Um, 
give me one second and I will bring that up and show you. Hang on. Here we go. And there we go. All right. The cost of uh, human gun control. So one of the things, like, they, they do the registration. Um, Nazi Germany... Basically, 1928, and this is before Nazi Germany, it's the Weimar Republic in 1928. They basically set up registration and licensing. Um, the comedian jackass said that, you know, well, Hitler didn't do any gun control because they were already taken away. That's not true. Um, basically, registration and licensing turns out then later in 1938, which would be the Nazi, uh, the Nazi government, they came up with stricter gun laws, and then later in '38, they said, "Oh, and if you're a Jew, you know, because Jews," then ended up proceeding to kill 20 million people. Right? Soviet Union, 29 to 45, 20 million people started out with 1918 licensing of owners, ban on possession, severe penalties in 1926, then 1929. Yeah, let's just do genocide. You know. Ottoman Turkish Empire, right? 1866 and 1911, so that's way back, right? Permits required, list owners, 1915, ban on possession, then one to one and a half millions, depending who you believe, killed it, you know, all the Christians. You know, that's what you do sometimes. China, national, nationalists, 1927. Turns out 1914, government permit system. Then 1935, ban on private ownership. All right? And then, oh, yeah, we killed uh, 10 million people. Now, again, they started killing people before they banned private ownership. But, you know, it, it helped their agenda. They knew who the people were. Uh, Red China, 1951, prisoner death, you know, consequences, for anyone resisting any government program. That, that's a good way to do. 20 to 35 million people. Guatemala. Banned guns, registry, whatever. It just goes over and over again. All right? Now, you know, so people are like, well, yeah, but now lots of people have registries. Well, one of the things in America that actually keeps the government from taking action and coming door to door is they do have a certain feel of fear of the population and they're afraid of revolt. And that's a big thing. You know, the government, a government should be afraid of the people. Now I know more and more we get caught up in, well, you know, it, it's not the old days and, and whatever. And, and we're more modern and more civilized, but that was what happened over and over again. You know, a lot of people were like, yeah, that's how it used to be, but we don't do that. That's how it always starts, right? It used to be that, you know, governments would be corrupt and go and abuse the people, but we're a civilized society. That would never happen. Well, remember Russia was civilized until they started being friends with Trump. They were like, Hey, everything's great over in Russia. Um, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, you know, screw our people. Let's just go take over countries and do what we want. That's how it works. You get that false sense of complacency because you haven't seen it in your lifetime, right? I've never seen it, so it must not be true. It never happens. I also hate to say it. 
our government, our schools are not teaching the education that people really deserve. People don't know history, and you get a slanted opinion. Um, another one that I always see is, well, the numbers, you know, Chuck, you're, you're not realizing it's just too many deaths where it's not fair, and we need to, um, you know, go in and. I don't know, ban guns because if we can just save one child, well, another thing is it's something ridiculous. Like, let me see, I'll pull up the exact numbers so I'm not misquoting things and sounding like an idiot. Um, it is 53% of gun deaths in the United States are from suicide. And I understand suicide's a horrible thing as a veteran, combat veteran. I know people, you know, who've, had really hard times and it ends bad for him, but the guns aren't what killed them. It's not getting the mental health and the, you know, support. Now, again, one of the rebuttals that I always hear is, well, yeah, but then why aren't you down for socialist programs? Let's spend more money on education. Let's have better health care. Let's do all these things that are going to, you know, yeah, I would love the VA to do a hell of a lot better job. And I'm down for a little more money going to the VA and helping people who come back from traumatic stress, right? I'm down for that. But how many times have we seen giving the government more money to throw at a problem almost never solves the problem? Has our education system gotten any better? Um, it's funny. I live in North Carolina now and we spend nothing on education. And then I look at New York and they spend tons on education. And I got to say, I'm not impressed with either one. You know, they're both a little disturbing. It's kind of crazy how that works. You know, just throwing money at a problem is not how you get results. So I'm just saying there's a lot of other sides to the argument. Um, I don't even know where else, you know, what other concerns people have, but I just know that it's kind of ridiculous to just say, yeah, take away the guns. That's the problem. We have fundamental problems in our country. We don't agree with each other. We don't like each other. We have different values, different goals, and it's kind of crazy. We kind of need to start going back to some forgiveness, some, hey, what do we agree on? You know, what things can we compromise on? What things can we meet in the middle? You know, we all have certain goals. None of us want to see homeless people out in the street who, you know, desperately want help and want to take action. We can all mutually agree on these goals. Now, does that mean I just want to give people money so that I work 70 hours a week and they work 30 hours a week and we just even it out because it's not fair that I have more stuff. Well, I have more stuff because I work hard. Now, I, I know you're like, well, Chuck, that's because you're so much smarter than everybody else. So it's unfair. I, I know I can concede that I'm, I'm a pretty brilliant guy. But that's kind of a ridiculous argument, right? Um, now, again, there are people who have different abilities and can do different things. No doubt. We all know that. We know that as a society. But... And you know what? I'm down for helping people out and getting people to where they need to be. But when we're not all required to do the same, just taking my money blindly and giving it to someone else, obviously, if somebody knows how to acquire money, 
then I feel like they might be better at distributing it and utilizing it than somebody who doesn't know how to acquire money. I know that sounds mean and hateful and hurtful, but as a society, let's kind of start having a discussion instead of just hating each other and maybe get things going on the right track. So that's all I really got. You guys might want to uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the Facebook page, Facebook group. Um, definitely, you want to check out the uh, Survival and Basic Badass podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes, put a link on YouTube here. Um, and basically, you know, I hope to invite the conversation. You have questions, concerns, thoughts, email me at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Otherwise, stay safe. And I'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm.